Tim, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Vine Church. See, as Christians, we believe uh, these three days from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are the, the most important three days, really, we celebrate throughout history. You know, Dave kicked off this morning with saying, actually, uh, we needed the birth of Jesus and we needed the resurrection of Jesus. If we didn't get the birth, we wouldn't have had the resurrection, but we need the resurrection. And this morning, uh, you know, feel free to be engaged. I like a good amen. Uh, I like a good energy in the room. So please feel free to be engaged. Uh, I hope that by the end of the morning, I'll be tired and sweated out because it's a hot day and I move around a lot. Um, but we're going to have a fun time this morning. Uh, just to kick us off, uh, how many people got chocolate over the last few days? Did anyone get given some chocolate? Not enough, not enough. Well, we can give you some chocolate. So there's, there's five Easter eggs somewhere around this room slash canteen. When I say Easter eggs, I mean it's, it's a piece of paper, which if you get a piece of paper, go and see Vicky, and she will give you some chocolate. Vicky's at the back. Anyone see any? Look under the chairs, look everywhere. It would be a green egg. It would be a green egg. It would be noticeable green. Who hid these? Ah, oh, there you go. Go and see Vicky to get a prize. They're just like that. They're green or blue. Oh, yes, perfect. Go and see Vicky. That's another one. So you've got two. We've got three more to go. Joy, great. So we've got, we've got three more to go. They've got, Lucy's got one, Jensen's got one. Two more to go, where's the other two? Oh, Jane's got one. One more to go, where's the other one? Where's the other one, Becky? Thank you very much, appreciate that. Go and see Vicky, collect a prize. There is one more. There's the other two. So one more. Has anyone found it? Is there one over here? Has anyone found one, one over here? Oh, you found that one. It was down there. Where else were they? Well, we found one behind there. Yeah, we found one behind there. Piano. One under there. One under there. Oh, Alan Jane, there's one round you. You're not looking right enough. <laughs> this is the hard Easter egg game I've ever been on. You got it? Ah. Oh. Perfect. I'll take that. Thank you very much. Grab yourself some, prize, uh, some Easter eggs. 
So this morning, I want to bring us a message on being fully alive. And on the back of these Easter eggs, it says peace. It says hope. It says joy. It says light. And it says purpose. And we're going to be thinking about these things uh, throughout this morning. But a message on fully alive. I wonder where or when have you felt fully alive? Maybe it's when you've heard a breathtaking orchestra play. Maybe it's when you're jumping out of a plane. Maybe not. Maybe being on top of a really high mountain and you can see breathtaking views and you just feel alive. Or maybe it's being with a certain person. See, something that makes us feel like, wow, something that gives us an extra breath in our lungs, that gives us an extra step in, a leap in our step, we say it's amazing. See, I don't know about you, I want to live a full life. I don't want to get to the end of my days, you know, 120, that's what I'm going to live to, and say, you never know, guys. You never know. Don't laugh. You'll be the last one laughing. Uh, I don't want to get to 120. Oh, yeah, you guys might be here, yeah. Yeah, you might be, yeah. Noah, 600. Sorry if I offended anyone there. But I don't want to get to the end of my days and think I didn't live a full life. And I think every single one of us in this room, deep inside of us, want to get everything that we can out of life, want to live life to the fullness. However, there's many things that paralyze us. We're often we're paralyzed by fear. We settle for the mediocre. We squash our dreams because we are afraid of disappointment. We live with knots in our stomachs. But I want to say, it's time to live a full life, to be doing things God has called you to do, to have dreams and to go for them, believing for the impossible, and just having a great time because we know that Jesus is alive. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 will be on the screen if you haven't got a Bible, but if you have, you can follow it. Uh, now, after the Sabbath, Sabbath was a Saturday, uh, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Sunday, the first day of the week, uh, Mary, uh, Madeline, and the other Mary went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Love that bit. The angel comes and just, you know, takes a seat on the stone. Rolls back, take a seat. Love it. Uh, takes a seat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Behold, he's doing 
He's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with, with fear and great joy. I love this bit. It's okay to have fear and great joy together. And ran to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. See, today we celebrate these powerful and unbelievably true words of this. He is not here, he is risen. See, this is what the angel says to Mary and the other Mary, that he, he's not here, he's risen. He's gone. He's no longer dead. He's alive. Jesus is alive. The one that you crucified three days earlier, he's not here. He's gone. He is risen. He's alive. See, this is crazy. Shall I tell you why it's crazy? Because thousands of years before, there was predictions that Jesus would die and resurrect three days later. There's actually 26 predictions in the Old Testament to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, on where it would happen and how it would happen. They, they, they already predicted this. And today is the climax of this. And they found out that it's all true. The 26 predictions have all become true on how and where it should happen. See, another interesting point is, is that, did you know, there's about 800 tombs uh, uh, that date back to the New Testament period in and around Jerusalem. 800 different tombs. And by the way, up to about 12 people can be uh, dead, be like dead, dead bodies, can be in these tombs. So you're talking of about possibly up to you know, 10, 11,000 people in these tombs dating back to the New Testament period. You know, there's only one person that's ever been recorded missing from these tombs. Jesus. I could, know, I could not find any evidence to anyone else being recorded as missing from any of these 800 tombs in and around Jerusalem. That's because Jesus is alive. He is alive. No one else has, out of those tombs have claimed to be missing. Only one man's missing. It is Jesus. So let's just imagine what it would be like for Mary and Mary for a moment. Put yourself in their shoes. You get up on a Sunday morning. Let's go down to see Jesus. Let's go to his tomb. You walk down to the tomb, and you get there, and there's two guards standing there. This is not normal, by the way, to have guards at a tomb. The only reason there's guards at this tomb is because the officials and the people were scared that Jesus' disciples were going to steal his body. They were scared that Jesus' disciples were going to steal his body. So, so the official said to them, oh, oh, we know that Jesus proclaimed that he's going to resurrect in three days. So for us to stop the disciples trying to trick us and pretend that he has resurrected, we will steal, that potentially people could steal his body. So let's put guards there so no one could steal his body and say that he is resurrected. You get it, me? So the guards are there, which is an abnormal situation. And then suddenly, 
The earth shakes. There's an earthquake. The angel comes down. The stone is rolled away. And at this point, the guards become like dead men. I love this. Jesus is risen. The guards, they go down like dead men. They go down like dead men. Uh, And the angel says, do not be afraid. Mary and Mary, go into the tomb. See, go into the tomb right now. They go in, and Jesus is not there. But his cloths that he wrapped, they wrapped him in. It says in the Bible they were neatly tidy, uh, neatly and tidy. Obviously, we can take from this point that Jesus liked a clean house. (laughs) Obviously. But as they see him not there, and his 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 cloths so neatly and tidy, they go back and tell the other disciples. And then they go back and tell other people and go back and tell other people. See, Mary and Mary, they go back and say, it really did happen. It really did all become true. He did really rise from the grave. See, when Jesus rose from the grave, this is what happened. You ready for this? This is what happened. Jesus demonstrated that he had the ultimate power over death and life. When he rose from the grave, he demonstrated he had the ultimate power over death and life. When Jesus rose from the grave, something life-changing happened. It set a new precedent for our lives that we could have life in abundance on this earth, but also life for eternity. Something happened that day would set a new precedent. But Jesus has a track record of turning lives around on this earth. He turns darkness into light. Fear into peace. Hopelessness to hope filled. Worry to faith. The sick to wow. The lost to found. People without no purpose... He gives them purpose for their existence. Jesus in the Bible is recorded in John chapter 10.10. He says this, the thief has come to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come to have life and life to the fullness. Or another way to say it is abundance. Jesus desires for each one of us to experience life to its fullness today and tomorrow and the next day and for eternity. He wants us to experience all these things, purpose. He wants us to get up in the morning with purpose. He wants us to know his peace, to know that we have his light, the joy, the hope. He wants us to live with all these things, to have dreams and ambitions, He wants you to live a full life. I wonder, if I said put your hand up if you live to a full life, don't do this. I wonder how many people would say, actually, I feel like I'm living a full life. I'm going for everything I want to go for. I'm doing everything I want to do. I wonder how many people would say that. Jesus came that every single one of us 
would have resurrected life. There's a story recorded in Luke chapter 15, and Jesus tells this story. If he had a hundred sheep in a pen, and he was out one day, maybe counting them, one, two, three, four, miss a few, 98, 99, where is the one of the other one? If it's gone out of the pen, he will go searching for that one because he wants to go and get that one person and bring it back into the pen and to take care of it and to love it. This shows us that Jesus cares for every single one of us. He loves us and he wants to give us a full life. He wants to give us purpose, hope and joy and peace. I don't know if you remember earlier, I said about there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake when the angel came and the stone rolled away. But actually the Bible in three days speaks of two earthquakes. Number one, when Jesus died and the, the curtain was torn, the, the earth quaked. Number two is when Jesus, uh, when, when the Mary and Mary came, the angel came, the earth started to quake. This is quite interesting, I think. An earthquake causes massive destruction to nature, to buildings, and to people. It's quite scary, really. I've never been in an earthquake. However, I have been to London's Natural History Museum. Who's been there? Has anyone else been there? You can go in there. There's a pop-up shop, and they quake. They, they, they make the earth shake to, you know, to mimic an earthquake. And it's scary. I can't imagine being in a place where the, the earth is quaking. But when Jesus died, the earth shaked when he died on the cross. And when he rose again, the earth shaked. See, God was doing something powerful in these moments, and he was making the whole world take notice. He was making the whole world take notice. The angel coming, the earth shaking, the stone rolling away, all happened simultaneously. See, this got me thinking. Mary and the mother Mary went to the tomb of Jesus, and they did not know that he was no longer there. You thought about this. They get there, they wouldn't have had a clue. If the stone didn't roll away, they would have never known if Jesus had rose again. Because for all their thing, that he was still in the tomb, just dead. So the stone needed to roll away so they could see that Jesus was risen. And God chose to do an earthquake and the angel coming down. But then this got me thinking... Is there things in our lives which Jesus has done, he's given us peace, hope, life, and joy, that, that he's given us those things, but there needs to be a stone that rolls away for us to fully experience it and know it fully. Because Jesus, I believe, has come and said, I will give you life in its fullness. That is a promise. So why, am I, uh, why aren't I experiencing your fullness of, my, of life now? Maybe it's because he has done it, but there's stones in our lives that need to be rolled away. We need to see things in a different way. We need to have a different mindset. Maybe God wants to do something in us, whatever it will be, stones that need to roll away so we could fully see that Jesus has come to give us life and it's born us. You, you getting me? See, I think this is quite big because Mary and Mary, they wouldn't have, had to, they wouldn't have known that Jesus rose. Unless the stones rolled away. 
this tells me there needs to be stones in our lives that need to be rolled away so that we experience full life. So this is the question. What stones in your life need to be rolled away for you to experience these things? Because I think we all know God's come to give us his peace. We all know that he's come to give us light, to give us joy, to give us purpose, to fulfill all our dreams. But there's stuff in our lives, stones that are getting in the way, that need to be pushed away. What stones in your life need to be rolled away? It's amazing because you know what David did with stones, don't you? He used them as weapons. He was a tiny compared to Goliath. No one expected him to kill the evil, gigantic Philistine. But he went out in faith. He took the stones, he got the sling, and he catapulted it. Bang, hit, Day, uh, hit Goliath in the head. He used those stones to fight the battle. Remember what John 10.10 says? The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. Those two things, they're in battle with each other. The thief wants to steal our life. Jesus wants to give us life. Those stones are in the way to seeing what life God has given us. This is for something to think about. For, for resurrection to happen, something needs to die. Jesus had to die for there to be a resurrection. For you to know and experience a full life, a stone needs to be re removed. Something might need to die in your life so that you could experience the full life that you really, really, really want. What is God called, calling you to die, to die in you so you experience his full life? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news to all mankind. It's good news to all mankind. John 3, 16 Probably one of the most famous verses the, uh, that has ever been. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel. Jesus come into this world, the son of God come in humanity, and then dying on the cross at 33 years old, taking our place for the things that we get wrong, the mistakes, it all, and then giving us a, a new life. A raised life, but not just for now, but eternal life forever. See, I think we often don't like to think about things like life, death, eternity. I wonder how many of us in this room have planned our, our burial when we die. We plan our holiday in a couple of years' time. The big holiday to America. But we don't plan maybe our death, do we? It's because we don't like talking about it. Maybe some of you have. But we don't like to talk about it. But we all know it's certain in life that there is going to be life and there's going to be death. And for Christians, we believe there's eternity. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 to 10 says this. We are confident 
I'd say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body and away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of, each of us may receive what is due for, for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Starts off by saying, this is Paul here, for we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. This is, tells us he's primarily talking about followers of Jesus, people that believe in, uh, in Jesus and are part of his church. This is talking to people like us. They're talking to us. And then Paul says, so we make our goal to please him. We make it our goal to please God. This is the thing, right? I don't believe, uh, I believe, sorry, that you can't do anything that will stop God loving you. However, you can do things to please God. You can't do anything more or less to stop God loving you. He loves you. He desires you. He picks you out. He goes to uh, get that sheep, you know, the missing one, uh, brings it back, the sheep back. But at the same time, this passage says that we can do things to please God. And then it goes, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. See, when we think of judgment, we primarily think about punishment. We, we primarily think about condemnation. But actually, uh, this word for judgment is a Greek word called krema. And krema is used 90% of the time in the New Testament for judgment. And this is what it means. A decision from an investigation. A decision from an investigation. So Paul is saying here that, he's talking to believers, there will become a time, uh, well, he's talking to encouragers, I want to, my goal is to please him, God, and he says that, for we must all appear, believers, this is talking to, before the judgment seat. We must all appear in a place where we will be investigated and there will be a decision out of the investigation, whether good or bad, by the way. One day, every single one of us, as followers of Jesus, will stand in front of God and I believe he will ask these two questions. Number one is, what did you do with the cross? The cross of Jesus Christ. Did you believe in it? And really, if I put it bluntly, that determines your destination, heaven or hell. Number two is, what did you do in the light of your calling? This passage, Paul is saying here, we will still be judged. You're not just going to go to heaven and just get the, get the just straight through. God is going to make, Jesus is going to make an investigation and come to a decision. What does this mean? We will give an account for every work, for every word, for every thought, for every deed, and every motive we have ever done. Could you imagine that? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord come. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, will expose the motives of the heart, and at the time, each one will receive their praise from God. 
This is saying that we were going to stand in front of Jesus. There will be an investigation. Uh, what comes, what, what was in dark will be bring, bring to light. And he will expose the motives of our hearts. This is talking to believers again. And he will expose it. He will look at every word, action, deed, and motive. This is scary stuff in many ways. And at the end of it, receive the praise from God. What is the receiving the praise from God? Well, it's two things. Number one, good and faithful servant. Number two is a reward. People don't like to think of rewards in heaven, but often it's throughout Scripture. And what does it mean? Well, 2 John 1.8, are you with me on this? Are you following it? 2 John 1.8 says this, Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but you have, that, you, that you may be rewarded fully. So this passage is saying, what you have worked for on this earth, you will be rewarded fully. You might be thinking, what is the reward? Well, the reward relates to anything to basically uh, being next to Jesus at the great banquet table, all the way to everything you've ever done on earth to be worth nothing because it wasn't in the light of your calling. You get what I mean? This is being driven by eternity. I think, in a nutshell, there'll be two things that are asked of us in heaven. What did you do with the cross, and what did you do in the light of your calling on this earth? We will be given an account. What we do on this earth affects our eternity. What you and I do on this earth affects our eternity. Revelation 2, 17 says this. He who has an ear, that's all of us here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This is an awesome passage, if you understand. So he starts off by saying, to the one who conquers. So he's talking about a conqueror, someone who overcomes, someone who goes to the end and finishes the race well. He will give them hidden manner. What is hidden manner? Well, there's much talk what hidden manner potentially could be. Is it faith? Is it Jesus Christ living inside us on this earth? There's much talk, but there's not much certainty. But what is certain is the white stone and what the white stone represents. A white stone, when you get into heaven, will be given to you. This is what's going to happen, guys. What does a white stone represent? For in, in those days, they would have heard this. If you potentially committed a crime and you went in front of a judge, the judge over time will hear what's gone on and decide the outcome of your fate, whether you are free or you are, uh, deserve punishment and you deserve um, to go to prison. When the judge has made his decision or her decision, he will get down from his seat, this was 2,000 years ago, and he would either take a black stone or a white stone and he would put it in a box. If he took the black stone, it meant that you deserve punishment and go uh, to prison. If it meant white stone, it meant that you were free and innocent. So the readers of this, right at the beginning of time, they would have understood it as this, that if I've been given a white stone, I've been set free. I'm innocent. There is no condemnation. But also, what does a white stone mean? 2,000 years ago, if you were to go to a sporting event, your ticket was often a white stone. 
you were allowed into an arena, not a paper ticket, it was often a white stone that you would give to go and watch a sporting event, whether it's gladiators or whatever it looks like, I don't know. But you were allowed a white stone. The white stone represents that you are free, you are innocent, that all crime against you is free. As believers of Jesus, when we come to him and follow him, when we trust in him, we believe and we know he gives us that white stone. He's washed away all our sins. We are innocent in his sight. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. But then it gets more interesting because it says, uh, Revelation John here, it says that there will be a new name on it, a new name written on the stone. No one knows except the one who receives it. So this name, only you and God will know about it. Not your family member, not your friends. No one will know. What is this name? Well, over the last few weeks, we've been learning about the names of God. And we understand that names in the Bible often related to the purpose of, their, the purpose of their, what they did or their character. For example, Abraham, he was a father of many nations. You know, uh, Jesus, Savior. Names related about what they did uh, in their purpose, but also their character. This name will relate to your purpose or character on earth. This will be your new name. So, for example, if God has called you in the light of your calling to be an encourager, that is what will say on the stone. You encourager. You did it. You were the encourager that I called you. I called you just to be an encourager, to go around encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. If God had called you to, to be uh, a servant-hearted or someone who's generous, or if God has called you to whatever he's called you to do, to be a peacemaker, that would be on the stone. And this is the new name that you are given. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because actually, life, you can live a full life on this earth, and you can live for eternity if you believe in Jesus Christ. And this is what it means. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you can be set free from everything you've done wrong. And you can experience the full life in your, in your life. I want to conclude by saying this. Have you ever been on an airplane to go on holiday? Most of us probably would have been. Personally, I'm not a big fan of planes. I don't understand why going 10,000 feet up in the sky in a tin can can be enjoyable, personally. However, people do enjoy it. But I think life is a bit like this. Life is a bit like this. Because when you get on the plane, you're going to a destination. You get on the plane, and that is like our time on planet Earth. You're going to a destination. Your destination is your eternity, where you spend eternity. And life on the plane can have some turbulence sometimes. There can be some ups and some downs. There's some people absolutely love it. Some people like me absolutely don't get it and hate it. You know, it gets me to the destination. But I think life is sometimes about this. And I think God... He wants us, well, I don't just think, I know that God wants each one of us to live a full life on this earth or on the plane as such. He wants us to live this full life. He wants us to enjoy the journey to destination because we're on a journey. 
He wants us to know the peace, the joy, and hope. He wants all those dreams that you have and all those ambitions and all those things you want. He wants those as well. He's in many ways our biggest cheerleader. But sometimes the things that stop them are the stones in our life. But he wants us to make it to the right destination. Recently, a couple of months ago, I don't know if you heard, but sadly, some people were meant to be in Germany and they end up in Edinburgh. You know, how does that happen? Is, is, who knows? Someone wrote the wrong thing into the system. But he wants us to go in the right direction. He wants us to receive that white stone. He wants us to receive the full reward. He wants us to give us the stone with that name on it and to say, come, let's spend eternity together. See, we are stuck in today and we think 120 years of my life, I'm going for 120 by the way, church, 120 years of my life is so big and it is big in many ways, but it isn't big compared to eternity. It isn't big. And for me on this earth, I'm going to get the most out of my time on this earth and do everything God has called me to do. And then I'm going to have a great time in eternity. I'm not going to be foolish. I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not going to run wild. But I'm going to love God and love people. Because that's what it's about, right? I want to live a full life. I want to know more of his peace and joy. And it is a journey. And it is about stones being removed in our lives. In a couple of minutes, we're going to sing a couple of songs. But I want to give you the opportunity to respond in two ways. The first way is, over there we have a board, and it says fully alive. And it's your opportunity to write things, maybe things that you wish, uh, you hope that, you know, I want less fear in my life. Or you might be thinking, I want more light. You can write on that board whatever you want. But things that stopping you live a full life. I want dreams. I want to dream more dreams. I want to... You know, go for God more. I want to spend more time with God. Whatever it looks right for you, just go and write a couple of things on there. Also, there's going to be an opportunity if you want to receive prayer, you know, to go to the back and you can receive prayer for anything we've spoken about today. Maybe you don't yet believe in Jesus and this is your opportunity to respond in this. Maybe you want to talk to someone or someone to pray for you something about living. I want to know more of his peace. This is the greatest opportunity. This is the time, church, to respond here, right now. So Emma's going to come up and lead us in some songs. And as we're singing, you can stay there, stay singing. You can go to the back for prayer. And I encourage you just to go over there and write things down. Leave it from your mind to paper helps a lot. But let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you today. We celebrate your resurrection. And I thank you you've come to give us life in the fullness today and for eternity. And I pray, Father God, that you would highlight those stones in our lives that need to be removed so we know your life fully. I pray that we would uh, know that you have prepared a place for us eternally. I pray that also that we would know what we do on this earth in the light of our calling, in light of what you've called us to do, affects us now and for eternity. Father, I pray for your joy and your life to live in each one of us. And that, Father, I pray for dreams will be rebirthed. Those that are feeling hopeless will know your hope. 
Those who are feeling fearful would know your peace. Those that need to know the love of God would know the closeness of the Father. I pray that we will be fully alive people going for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as uh, Emma leads us. Like I said, feel free to go and write stuff there. And if you would like some prayer, go to the back as we sing. Praise you, Lord. What a happy day. It is a happy day for us. We thank you, Father, that you've washed our sins away, that we are set free, free at last, free at last. We thank you, Lord God, that you set us free by the blood of Jesus. And we've got a hope in heaven, a place where one day we will go and we will be for you in eternity. What can we say, Lord God? What can we say? Thank you, Lord, that we are holders of living stones. We are holders, Lord, of white stones, which give us entrance, Lord God, into the very presence of God. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for Easter Day. Thank you, Lord. You are wonderful. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Friends, uh, have a great day.